0: thinking about all the different hats I wear in life. Now, sometimes I wear hats because my hairline keeps going backwards. Um, But I also wear a lot of hats because of all the different roles that I function in life. I wear the hat of a pastor. Um, I wear the hat of a friend. I often wear the hat of a counselor. Uh, I wear the hat of a husband uh, and a provider. My, My favorite hat that I wear might be my dad hat. So, well, why is that? Well, we do have five kids. Uh, but the reason I love my dad hat the most is because of the dad jokes that come with it. All right? Just straight up, I got some mad dad jokes here. All right? So, for example, what do you call a man with no nose and nobody? Nobody knows. <laughs> I'm waiting for my kids to start laughing over here. Uh, what do you call a woman with one leg longer than the other? Eileen. This is gold here, guys. You should be getting a bigger laugh. All right. This one, you got to get the right attitude when you say it. What does an annoying pepper do? Gets jalapeno face. Yes, exactly. And I save the best for last. Did you hear about the movie Constipation? Probably not because it never came out. Come on. Come on. Let me just say, if parenting came down to dad jokes, I would be a superstar. Like, out of this world, like, I would be top notch. But as we've had these five kids, I've realized parenting comes a lot more than just dad jokes. Uh, In fact, for for most of us parents, we, we enter on the front side of of parenthood uh, with a feeling of inadequacy. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And typically with parenting, we go on the back end with a little bit of guilt. A little bit of guilt over things we wish we would have done different things that we wish we would have thought about. Parenting is more of a a science than it is an art. It's more of a marathon rather than a sprint. In fact, uh, out of all the parenting books that are out there, and there's a lot of parenting books out there, have you ever just found that there's just not like a cookie cutter guide to, to raising kids because kids are just not cookie cutters. Each kid is unique and different. So you have a Bible this morning. I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs, if you're looking for Proverbs, if you open up your Bible in the middle of the Bible, you'll probably find a book called Psalms. That starts with a P. If you turn just a few pages to the right, you'll find the book of Proverbs. Uh, we've been looking at proverbs this summer and we've been saying proverbs is a book of wisdom God is giving us wisdom for very practical areas of our life And so we said god would you give us wisdom and understanding on our words? How do we use our words in a good way? Uh, we asked for wisdom and we looked at god's wisdom for our work How do we use our work and the way that god created us and the giftings that we have for for good? Uh, we looked at Uh, finances. What does God's wisdom tell us about what to do with our resources? We looked at the issue uh, of of marriage and relationships. Um, And today, we're going to deal with this issue of parenting. Parenting. Um, The reality is, um, we want to be very practical with this. And today, we're going to deal with that. We're going to try and be very practical, give some insight towards parenting. Uh, But I will say, I said this last week, uh, we can't even get close to covering all the topics of parenting that I wish we could cover on one week. And so what we've done is in your worship folder, uh, there is an insert that looks like this that Jake put together for us. And what I want you to do is, is, is I want you to think, if you thinking, think about parenting or thinking about relationships... I want you to think, man, here's where I'm at in my situation. Here's where I'm at with my kids. My kids are rambunctious. They don't listen. They're kind of like um, chickens with their heads cut off. If that's your problem, I want you to write a question related to that. Next week, we're going to have a panel of of, uh, folks that I respect. They're going to come up and be able to give us some wisdom to answer your questions. Uh, start thinking about relationships. Start thinking about, well, well, you know, I have this issue in my marriage. I have this singleness. I've been single forever, and all I really want is a, as a spouse to love me. I don't know how to do that. Look, put your question down. Write it down. Put down wherever you're at, and we will have a good time next week not listening to me give a sermon. We'll listen to a panel giving you wisdom for the areas of, of your life. And so excited for that. Put your questions down. You can put that in the offering um, if you do it this way, it is anonymous. So you can put down that question that you're afraid to ask. It's okay to do that, right, Fred? All right. Uh, since we're dealing with this issue of, of parenting, I want to throw out, some of you are sitting here and you're like, well, I'm not really a parent. Like, I, you know, some of you are saying, well, I'm a, I'm a grandparent. Great, because this applies to you. Because you're going to have an opportunity to influence your grandchildren. Some of you are sitting here and you're like, well, I'm a teenager and I don't want to have kids Ever. I've got siblings. I don't want to have my own kids. That's okay. Because if you listen today, you will gain some wisdom on how to build relationships that give you influence over the people around you, how you can influence them for good. So, whether you are a parent or not, listen, there's wisdom for you today uh, for your life. Proverbs chapter 22 uh, probably has the most famous proverb regarding children. A uh, uh, proverb that 22 6 that many of you would probably be able to recognize if we were to say it. But before we read, I want to I remind you that when we're dealing with the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs are not promises. Sometimes we read a verse in Proverbs and we're like, well, that's what the Bible says. It's going to happen. But remember what a proverb is. A proverb is an observation on how life generally works. So most of the time, if you do this, this is, chances are, the response. But not always the case. It's not a promise. It's a proverb. So here's the here's proverb that Solomon gives us today. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. He says, if you, you train up a child in the way they should go, chances are when they grow up, they will stay on that path. Now the question becomes, well, what's, what's the way that we're talking about? What's the way that they should go? And again, as we're looking at Proverbs, Proverbs has dealt with this uh, difference between folly and wisdom. You've seen this, where Solomon has talked about, hey, you have this choice between choosing folly or choosing wisdom. Folly is doing things by your own understanding. This is doing things the natural way of thinking. This is the easy way. This is what comes natural and comes easy to us. It's, It's the natural way. It's the way of folly. Whereas Proverbs has talked about wisdom... And wisdom being rooted first and foremost in a fear of the Lord. That wisdom is where we allow God to be the number one priority in all of our life. And everything else is flowing out of that priority of that relationship with God. And if we understand that Proverbs is trying to get us to pursue wisdom, that God is at the center of our life, then that gives us some insight as to our goal with the relationships and the kids around us. Our goal in parenting is not to raise balanced kids. Our goal in parenting is not to raise successful, smart, superstar kids. Not that those things are bad, but our goal in parenting, wisdom says, that we would raise our kids with a fear of the Lord. That we would raise our kids first and foremost, that they understand how they fit into the story of God. They understand that God is at the center of their life. The New Testament says very clearly, the first and second commandment So to love the Lord as your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the goal, is that we would raise kids that understand that. First and foremost, it's about loving God. Secondly, it's about loving people. That's the goal in parenting. So the question becomes, well, how do you, how do, you do that? And again, Proverbs says, train up a child. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I've had to do any training, anytime I'm trying to teach someone something, uh, to train, it requires some preparation. Does it not? It requires some planning. It requires some intentionality. And so this is what I want us to understand for us today. Here's the big idea. That if we are going to, to train our kids in the fear of the Lord if we're going to influence the relationships around us, outside of our children, if we're going to influence them for the fear of the Lord, it requires intentional, premeditated parenting. Requires that we be intentional with our influence, intentional with our time, that we be premeditated, that we think in advance, hey, here's how I want to deal with this. Question becomes, well, what are the things that we need to be intentional about? What are the things that we need to be premeditating, thinking about long-term for me to hopefully raise these kids that understand this goal to love God first above everything else? And I'm glad you asked because I have a couple different ways from Proverbs for how we can do that. First thing that we have to do for premeditated parenting is that we have to understand that the goal is to build a home, not just a house. In parenting, our goal is to build a home, not just a house. Here's what Proverbs 24 says. We read this verse last week. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 says, By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, this, this past year, we had the opportunity to build a house, and it was, it was great. Some of you have been in, like, the building industry and design industry, and I have a very uh, greater appreciation for who you are and what you do. But we had the chance to build this house, and it started with us kind of designing and working with the architect to kind of design what it was going to look like. And then we had to clear the property, and then they start with the foundation, and they get to the framing. Um, and then once they got the framing, we did all the finish work, and you got all the paint you got to do. And, 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 and now we're working on, 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 on a yard, and, and this is a—it was a great process. I, I am thankful for the opportunity and the experience of, of building a house. Uh, but there's a difference between building a, just building a house and building a home, right? A house is easy. My house doesn't become a home just because we moved into it. That's not the way it works. Uh, to build a home, it requires intentionality. In fact, here's, again, look at that verse that we just read, Proverbs 24. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. By wisdom, by, by building a house God's way. Not by our own understanding, not by the way of the world, not by the way that everybody else tells you to do it. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding it is established. By an understanding of who God is. By an understanding uh, 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 of how we fit into God's plan is a house built. And by knowledge, the rooms are filled by knowledge of God. Again, you see that as he's talking about this, the key here is that it is intentionality by wisdom, by understanding of God, by knowledge of God. This ties into what we talked about last week. It ties in where you've got a husband and a wife who are dedicated, who are working together for the common goal. Here's what we want. We want not just a house. We want a home. And you've got a couple who are saying, I'm, I'm working after it. And that's what, it, that's what Proverbs wants us to understand for parenting is that we've got to have mom and dad working together for this goal of not just having a house, not just having kids, but building a home. See, any house can have a mom. But only a home has a mom who gives herself away selflessly for her husband and for her kids. We talked about that last week. This is what a a, a godly woman is supposed to do to give herself away selflessly for her wife and her kids. For her husband and her kids, any house can have a man cave, but a home has a man. Check this out: who caves in? Caves into the needs of his wife and his kids, right? Let's clarify. while we're uh, that's good, right there, though, right? That's that that's that's good. Ephesians 5 says, says a husband is supposed to sacrificially love his wife and his kids. And so that means that the husband is willing to, to, to give himself away for them. To, to cave in, to sacrifice for his kids. Listen, it's not wrong with having a man cave. But if that's the priority, there's something wrong there. It takes intentionality to build a home, not just a house. requires a decision. Hey, this is what we want. And this is what Proverbs says when you build a house like that. It says the the, the house is filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I love that. The house is filled with these rare and beautiful things. And I don't want you to think about big screen TVs. And I don't want you to think about uh, Magnolia Market furniture and, and some of those things. I want you to think about this. I want you to think of a place that is filled with love. A, filled, a place filled with acceptance. A place that people run to. In fact, I was thinking about this. Like, I don't know what neighborhood you grew, grew up in. But in about every neighborhood, there's always that one house. It's a scary house, right? It's the one house, and you walk by, and you're like, man, something weird happens in there. For us, like, I grew up around Lincoln. It was on Lincoln and 33rd. It was a house that we were afraid of. It was like... Again, generations come and go. Generations are a little bit different. When I was growing up, you could stay out as late as you wanted until the streetlights came on. When the streetlights came on, then you had to go home, right? Anybody else growing up in that generation? So when we're walking home, it's dusk at night. And if we walk by that house, if weird noise comes out, if a light flickers, we run as fast as we can. And where'd we run to? We ran home. You don't run to a house. You run to a home. You run to a place that you're safe. You run to a place that you're loved. You run to a place that you're accepted. You run to a place that you're protected. Listen, parents, that's got to be our goal. Is that we don't just provide a house. We don't just provide stuff for our kids, but we provide a home. A place where our kids are loved and accepted. And wisdom is the center of it. Second thing for premeditated, premeditated parenting is we have to understand that godly living is caught more than it is taught. Okay, do you understand this? Solomon, compile the book of Proverbs for us. This man was incredibly wise. This man, Solomon, was the greatest king in all of Israel. You look at all of his successes. You look at uh, numerically uh, for how large the kingdom was. You look at economically. You look at architecture. You look at his success Solomon was a man like he was he was great, but he was an absolute moron in terms of his morals and how he led his family. It's just the truth. This is a guy who has all this wisdom, but had all these many wives who worship these false gods. This is a guy who who put all this amazing wisdom in this book. And undoubtedly, as he's compiling all these proverbs, I imagine he told his kids these things. Hey, listen to this, guys. Here's some wisdom. Well, this was the guy who said one thing and did something else. What you do is more important than what you say. And that was the case for Solomon. His son, Rehoboam, was an idiot. Divided the kingdom. Ruined the empire. And so here we have Proverbs where Solomon has given us God's wisdom. And we can look and say, well, well, look at Solomon. It didn't work out so well for him. Listen, Solomon, uh, what he did and what he didn't do is an example for us. This is still God's wisdom right here. This is still God's wisdom. And so here's, here's, what, here's what God's wisdom and Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. In fact, in your Bible, if you use your Bible and you like to take notes, in the margin next to Proverbs chapter three one through four, write Deuteronomy chapter six four through nine. Because what Solomon is doing is Solomon is pointing back in time. He's summarizing something that his ancestors said long ago. Back many, many years ago when Moses was in charge of Israel, Moses, uh, Israel said, okay, God, you will be our God and we will be your people. And so Moses said, well, how, how, how are we going to live that out? And there's that famous passage in Deuteronomy 6 that you will bind these things on your neck. You will write them on the table of your heart. You will take them everywhere you go. Deuteronomy 6 said that you will talk about them in your house. You'll talk about them as you're walking from here to there. When you lie down, when you rise up, you will write these things on the doorposts, on the gates. Saying this idea that you will put these truths, the, the, the who God is, on every part of your life. That it will influence everything you are. That it would be the center of your being. Because parents, here's what happens. Some of you don't have kids yet. Here's what happens, okay? You have the baby, the kids arrive, and pretty soon your family's universe revolves around the axis of your child, right? Life shifts your priorities to your kids where now you've got nap times, you've got meal times, you've got when the, what the kids need and when they need it, and everything you do is centered around those kids. In fact, we had some friends a number of years ago who started having babies, and pretty soon, well, you know, sorry, we we can't be in in life group with you guys anymore because, you know, our kid has bedtime, and if we're not home soon enough, they're not going to be able to go to bed. And then it was this, then it was, well, my toddler didn't sleep very well last night, so I can't be at church tomorrow, and in fact, I probably can't go for uh, soon enough. And pretty soon, this family, they're not in church anymore. You know what you're teaching your kids when that happens? You're teaching your kids, hey, little angel, the world revolves around you. You are the center of the universe. I'll be honest, kids don't need any help with that. They already think that naturally. Their sinful nature already thinks that, right? Listen, some of you in here, you were that kid. You are that kid. Now you are an adult and you have to have everything your way because that's what you caught growing up. The mom and dad center their entire universe around you. And now as an adult, you've become a consumer. You step into church and you expect church and you expect God to bow down to you and to rotate around you and have a hard time giving yourselves away to anything larger because you've been taught that you are the center of the universe. Parents, we don't even recognize that we do this. What is the center of your universe? Is it your kids or is it God? First and foremost, above everything else. I know there are some of you in here today and you're like, well, I, I, got, I got a little baby. They're, they don't even speak English yet. Like they're, they're back in the nursery like they can't even speak. Listen, now is the time for you to start. I understand faith is private. Most of the time faith is private. But listen, parents, you have to learn how to make it public. You have to learn to invite your kids in. Say, listen, kids, this is how I give. This is how I pray. This is how I serve. This is how I submit. This is how I trust God in all these areas of my life. Practically, here's some of the things that we've done in our family. I have the chance every once in a while to go speak on a retreat. Hey, can you come and speak to these kids at this place? One of my favorite things to do, I've done this with a couple of my kids, is I love to bring my kids with me. I want them to come to the retreat with me. I want them to see me... uh, on my knees before God, praying for God to move. I want my kids to see me serving and loving. I want them to see those things. It's a special time. There is another family I remember talking to, and we're talking about online digital giving. I'm like, digital giving is a great way to give to the church, an easy way just to be consistent with it. This one man said, you know, I just don't do that. He said, I want to bring my offering, and I want to put it in the basket because I want my kids to see it. I want them to understand this is what dad does. Dad doesn't, they do it online, kids aren't going to see it. He said, I want my kids to see me physically putting it in there. Listen, I don't don't care if you, I don't care which way you give. If you're giving, praise the Lord for that. I I don't know how you do it. But that was a a testimony and I want my kids to see this isn't just something I say I do. This is something I actually do. Listen, parents, do your kids actually see you pray? Like not just at mealtime, but your kid, do your kids see you pray? Some of you dads in here, listen, you are your kids' as heroes. Your kids look at, up to you and think you're faster than a speeding bullet, that you're more powerful than a locomotive, that you can leap tall buildings in a single bound. And when you show your kids that you pray, you're saying, listen, I pray because God is bigger, God is stronger. You are teaching your kids spirituality is caught more than it's taught. You're teaching them how to trust God in all areas of your life. Listen, parents, how do you handle stress? When you get the phone call, when you get the the, uh, letter in the mail, whatever it happens to be, even though you tell your kids to trust Jesus, is your first response to freak out? Listen, that is teaching something to your kids. That is teaching something to your kids about your faith. In fact, I'd say, look at your schedule. What are the things you fill your schedule with? Look at your checkbook. What are the things you spend your money on? Your priorities are teaching something to your kids. In fact, I think this is something that's valuable. Uh, Heard this from another pastor. I think it's great. He said, we have to focus more on GOD. Than MVP or GPA. Parents, you have to focus more on G-O-D than whether your kid is the MVP or their GPA. i mean, gonna just to be honest, like we get really excited about those things, right? We get really excited about the sports, we get excited about the music and, and, and the art and, and, and whatever, the, the grades, we get excited about these things and we we start traveling to go do those things. We start putting our our money to go do these things. We talk about these things all the time. Not that those things are bad, but do you realize those things are temporary? What are you doing spiritually for things of eternal significance for your kids? Are you putting the same emphasis on those things? Now, I know sometimes there's this this rub, well, does that mean, you know, my kid's in... uh, they're a sport. They've got practice four days a week. Does that mean I have to go to church four days a week? And, and equal? It's not. It's not tit for tat. It's 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 not an even squash. I know some of the one of the officer one of the other objections will be well. This is my kid's future. I mean, I've got two kids in high school. Listen, their grades are important. Their sports are important because that's their future. That's their college. For them to get into college, they've got to have these things. And somebody would say, well, well, I have to prioritize these things because that's their future. No, that's not their future. Their future is eternal. That's their next 30 to 40 years of, of temporary. And it's important. But what we prioritize teaches something far more than what we talk about. And if we are prioritizing... The sports, the grades, the experience. And we diminish the religious. We diminish the eternal. And that is something that your kids are going to pick up on. And I can think of several families that we've known growing up that church was there when they weren't traveling for sports. When they weren't playing on the playing on playing on the lake. It was church was kind of. Well, if there's nothing else going on, then we'll be at church. It makes me sad to see some of their grown children now who have walked away from the Lord. And I have to suggest, I have to think that somehow their priorities were picked up by their kids. To realize, well, I can talk a great talk. But what I do is more important than what I say. In fact, one of the things that I've tried to do with our kids is Again, we've got five kids. If you've got five kids, you have to divide and conquer. Like, you can't play the man-to-man defense. You've got to play his own defense. And so what we do is, I this year, I get to take three of the kids to school in the morning. Cameron drives himself, and then Sam gets the, the youngest. So I get to take three of my kids in the morning. And my favorite things to do with my kids in the morning is to pray over them while we're driving. Most of the time, I keep my eyes open. Sometimes they're closed, just to warn you, just straight up. But I love praying over my kids in the morning. And I, and I pray and say, God— Bless them in school today. God uh, help them to be leaders. God help them to have compassion. And what I want them to hear as I pray over them, I want them to hear, "Hey, school's important." But what's more important to Dad is your character, is your faith that you live out the things that you say you believe. The I mean, grades are important. I want them to do well, but more importantly, I care who they're becoming. I care about their character. I know sometimes it gets to the point with parents, you get to the point where your kids grow up a little bit older, and you're like, well, man, my kid doesn't want to go to church anymore. You know, they they say church is cliquish. You know, nobody likes me. None of my friends go there. Well, my guess is that there's times that your kid doesn't want to go to school. My guess is there are times that your kid goes to school and says, man, nobody likes me there. Everybody's cliquish. And you still make them go, right? That's where we've made one thing the priority, and we made the other thing not. Godly living is more caught than it is taught. Third thing for premeditated parenting is that we have to learn to provide consistent consequences. Proverbs 13, 24, 29, 50 through 17 we'll read the first one. It says, whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Parents, this is when you've got to sit down. You've got to say, listen, kids, here's what I expect. And if that doesn't happen, here's the consequence every single time. Here's the expectation. If it doesn't happen, this is a consequence. No ifs, ands, or buts. Listen, I'll be honest. You've got to be somewhat selective. I mean, when you're thinking about rules, sometimes we want to think, well, I'm going to come up with a thousand rules. Listen, God gave us ten commandments, did he not? He was selective. Said, hey, here's the things that matter most. Kids aren't going to remember every little rule that you have. Kids, they don't need to grow up feeling like they're in boot camp, like they're an army who's going to be chastised for everything that they do. You've got to choose, hey, here's the core things that we're going to prioritize. Here's the things that are most important. Here's the expectation. If it doesn't happen, here's the consequence consistently every single time. I'll be a little bit of a confession here. A little bit of wisdom from my own life. Oftentimes, your parenting style begins to take on the way that you were raised. And some of us, our parents didn't set a very good example for us. Some of us uh, were blessed with great parents. Some of us weren't. My mom was a yeller. That was kind of the way that she dealt with with, with, with us. And so I, I, at times I find that bad habit coming out in me. And in fact, now that our kids are a little bit older, uh, my wife will, you know, my wife or I will tell the kids, hey, go clean your room. And of course, you, can't, you don't say it once, you say it like three or four times till they finally go and do it. And then, they, then, they, then, then, then I go down and I'm like, they, they come up and they're like, hey dad, I'm done cleaning my room. And I'm like, all right, we'll go down and check it. And I'm like, what about underneath your bed? What about your closet? Like you shoved everything, that's not cleaning your room. And they'll argue with me. No, dad, no, no, no. And when the arguing happens, I have this bad habit to begin to yell, to raise my voice. And you know what happens when you yell? There's no consequences. You're just yelling. You just raise your voice. Kids end up getting used to that. It's kind of like white noise to your kids because they're used to the raised voice and the yelling. I mean, that's where parents, you're in one room and you're hollering to your kid in the next room and they're not listening. You walk over and they're like, don't you hear me? They're like, no, I didn't hear you at all. But I'm yelling because they've become acclimated to it. I mean, you you ever go to a house down by the train tracks? You ever go to someone's house and they live by the train tracks and the train comes and you're like, man, how do you handle that? And they're like, handle what? You're like, like don't you hear that? And they're like, no, we're just, we're just used to it. We've gotten acclimated to it. Listen, some of you parent just like that. You've got a parenting style that's kind of like a freight train. Chug, 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 chug. Whee, we The kid's like, mm, yeah, yeah, it goes off about this. Uh, goes off like this every day about this time. Just used to it by now. Listen, parents, you've got to have those consistent consequences. Consistent consequences. Listen, here's the expectation. If it doesn't happen, this is what's going to happen. Now, here's another thing with discipline. Sometimes we have this idea that we'll just tell our kids, well, you're going to do this because I said so. Listen, if that's your reason for why your kids should listen to you, That's not a very good reason. You are not preparing your child for a life of following after God. Let me tell you why I say that. Because when God gives us instructions, when God gave us this book right here, he didn't say, do all this because I said so. He didn't say, follow these rules because I'm God and you're not. No, actually, what God says is he says, I'm going to give you these rules because this is how I want to protect you. This is how I want to protect you sexually. This is how I want to protect you socially. This is how I want to protect you mentally. This is how I want to protect you relationally. And I'm giving this rule to protect you because if you don't do it, that's going to take away the protection I'm trying to give you. Listen, parents, there absolutely is a time and a place that you say, hey, I'm, you're going to listen because I'm dad, because I'm mom, and you're going to respect me. But if it always comes back to that, you're leading your kids towards rebellion. You're leading your kids towards rebellion. In fact, last thing on on parenting, on, on discipline, I would say, parents, at some point, especially as your kids get older, you have to pick and choose the battles. You just have to pick and choose the battles. Here's the reality of it. As I look at my kids, I think my kids grow up and they get a little bit of character. Some things that I'm like, I'm not sure I'd go with this. I'm not sure I'm okay with that. Things like, I don't know. You have to choose your battles. You can't win every one. Because if you want to win the important battles, you have to be willing to lose some of the less important ones. It gives you influence for later. Number four, premeditated parenting. That we have to prioritize a relationship over the rules. We have to prioritize a relationship over the rules. Proverbs chapter three, verses 11 and 12 says, "My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. For the Lord reproves him who He loves, as a father, the son in whom He delights." Listen, if you have rules about relationship, that leads to rebellion. That's what happens. And here, when we look at the Bible, every time the Bible talks about discipline, it's never negative. It's always positive. Always positive. Why? Because God is our loving father. God's our loving dad. And he takes delight in us. And he wants the best for us. And so for him, correction is love. Correction is love. And in the same way, when we have rules without relationship, it leads to rebellion. In fact, this is corny, but this is true. Do you know how kids spell love? T-I-M-E. That's how they spell it. They want that relationship. Parents, you have to learn to encourage far more than you discourage. In fact, I read a couple of uh, psychologists this week uh, doing some research, and, and they differ. But parents, for you to maintain that positive relationship You have to encourage your kids more than you discourage. You have to encourage them five to seven times more than you discourage them. That's all about the relationship. I know it's easier for us to point out the wrongs. We have to premeditate ourselves to be intentional. Hey, I'm going to find the way that I can praise my kids, that I can tell them how great they are and what they're doing good. That relationship requires that we, we, we pour into it, that we, we hang out with our kids, that we spend time with them. Listen, if you have a strong-willed child, I cannot tell you enough, you have got to be intentional to focus on the positive when they're young. Some of you must experience a strong-willed child. You've got to be intentional. Something I've learned about relationship with our kids uh kids are a bit younger you know for a man you come home at the end of the day you've been at work all day long and what you want to do is you want to go home and you want to kick your feet up you want to relax you want to play on your phone you want to put the football game in and watch the football game on but what happens is often when you have little kids you know your daughter will come in and be like oh daddy i've been working on a dance all day long i've got this special dance for you all right honey go ahead and show me the dance your boys come in, dad, i got to tell you about this video game I played. And, and let me tell you about this book I read. It's Harry Potter. And, and dad, i got a fart joke. Let me tell you a fart joke. And, and your kids come in and they want to they wanna just interact with you. Parents, fathers, how do you respond? We, we used to have this trampoline. And we'd go outside and the kids would be like, hey, dad, watch this. And they'd jump and they raise their leg. I'm like, good job, bud. Hey, dad, watch this. And they jump and race the other leg. And they do it again and again. Dad, watch this. And again and again and again and again. And it's great. Listen, here's the thing. For that relationship, you either pay now or you pay later. Parents, if you want any shot at having a conversation with your 16-year-old about their dating life, about their fantasy life, you had better pour into that five-year-old right now. You better pour into that relationship while they're young. You won't have any chance to have that relationship when they're older. Here's the example of that. God. God is a father. God cares about me. And even though God knows everything about me, God is still interested about what's in my heart. God is still concerned about the things that are are. are wearing me down still concerned about the things that are going on inside of me he's willing to sacrifice for me parents you've got to prioritize that relationship with your kids last thing want to be able to look at number five premeditated parenting you have to be selective with their friends you have to learn to be selective with your kids as friends because you can't pick your child, but you can pick their friends. No, I know, I've got some extended family, they've adopted, so they did get to pick their kids. But for most of us, that's not the way it worked out. All right? But we can pick their friends. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, Whoever walks through the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. 22, 24 through 25. Again, you can follow along with that. See, the most important decision that we will make in life is whether or not we will walk with God. The second most important decision that we will make in life is who we will walk with. Because the friends are going to decide the type of person that you are. It's the way it works. And I'm going to do my best to help my kids pick their friends. Again, this is where you have to pick your battles. Parents, you're not going to win every one of them. And you start dealing with things like bedtimes, hairstyles. Those are things that I'm willing to say, hey kids, I'm willing to flex on those. But when it comes to who you're hanging out with on Friday night, listen, I'm going to win that battle every single time because I believe it's important. So this is something I learned when I was younger. This is something that uh, a wise older person told me and I'm like, that's awesome. He said, Kevin, you want to have the fun house. Because your kids, you want to have the fun house. You want to have the house that all your kids' friends want to go and hang out at. So as we got ready to build this house, we started thinking through, hey, we're, we're going to build this, 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 this big basement. Big family room in the basement. We put the ping pong table in there. We've got uh, the TV. We've got the video games. We've got all sorts of stuff down there uh, for the kids. We've put in a, a basketball hoop outside uh, with a little sport court. We're, we're working on a fire pit. We're going to put in a fire pit. And then we, 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 we stock our fridge full of pop. Now, we don't drink a lot of pop, but we stock our fridge with pop because we know their friends are going to come over. And we go to Costco, and it's kind of like paying a second mortgage every time we go to Costco. It's like, hey, let's load up. You know why we do that? Because my son invites his eight friends over. They come to our house, and they drink all my pop, and they eat all my food. And you put nine stinky teenage boys in the basement and it's going to stink for days. But I had the chance to get to to know my kids as friends. I have a chance to keep an eye on what's going on and what they talk about, the things that they do. That's my job as a dad. Parents, I know sometimes you start battling with kids and you're like, oh man, if I tell them they can't hang out with this person, they're going to be mad at me for a month. It's a month. They'll get over it. It's worth it. You can't pick your kids, but you can pick their friends. And that's a battle that's worth fighting for every single time. I'm going to close with just a little bit of a word of a warning. Godly parents do not automatically make godly children. Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Again, like we're looking at Proverbs and saying, give us some wisdom for these relationships. And when we say, train up a child, listen, the reality is our kids are uh, have free will to do as they please as they get older. So parents, it is so important, grandparents, aunts, uncles, it is so important that we take advantage of the time that we've got. That we are intentional. That we are premeditated to making decisions that train them to the fear of the Lord. Proverbs is telling us and giving us wisdom how to stack the deck in our favor. So what decision do you need to make today? Listen, have you decided to build a house or a home? Have you decided to to build that foundation of your home on the wisdom of God? the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, that God is a center of what you do. Listen, if godly living is caught more than it is taught, what are the priorities in your life that need to be reset, that need to be shifted, so your kids can see, hey, God is first and foremost in my life? Maybe for you, you just need to sit down and figure out what those consistent consequences are. That you wouldn't have to be the freight train parent. But you could be straight up, hey, here's the expectation. And here's the consequence. And I'm going to be followed it every single time. Maybe for you, maybe it's going back to that idea of relationship. You've got to go back and pursue that relationship. Pursue that intimacy. Provide that encouragement time and time again. Maybe you need to start considering what kind of influences you've around your kids to be you've allowed your kids to be around. The friends, the people. Listen, whatever it is, seek God. Seek God first and foremost for wherever that relationship is, wherever that parenting style, whatever that takeaway is. So we're at church today. We want what only God can do for us. That's why we're here. If you're not a parent. Listen, God brought you here for a reason. I want you to be able to deal with that. I want you to be able to connect with God today.